Hey guys, welcome to the Marty Smith podcast on Outsider. We're renaming it just so you guys know. We don't even really have a real name yet, I don't think, but we're renaming it. It was the road you leave behind. We're going to kind of rebrand it coming up here, but the content is still, if I do say so myself, spectacular. And that includes today. It's another great interview on episode nine with Dustin Lynch. Uh, I've been a fan of Dustin's since the first time I heard Cowboys and Angels. I know a lot of you guys are huge fans of his too. Tremendous success commercially that he's enjoyed in his career in Nashville. But like so many artists, it's such a unique climb. Everybody has their own unique path to getting to that place. If they're fortunate enough and blessed enough to ever get to that place. And now he's in this position where his current single, Thinking About You, with Mackenzie Porter, is the fastest rising single of his career. You'll hear him discuss that on this interview along with that path, how music was injected into his life, the artists that impacted him as a young man. I didn't know anything about his sports career, nothing. I'd never, as much as I studied for this podcast interview, I didn't know anything about the fact that he was considering the PGA Tour and was a scratch golfer as a young man. Who knew? I didn't. And you're going to find out about it right now on the Marty Smith podcast here on Outsider Media. Enjoy. What a tremendous conversation with Dustin Lynch. There he is. What's up, Hoss? How's everybody doing? Man, we're fabulous, dude. I appreciate your time this morning, brother. Thank you. Thank you. This is an honor to be a part of this. Thank you, guys. Is that your house? Yeah, this is the living room back here. Good looking crib, dude. You can't hide paper, bro. You can try. You can <laughs> uh, I, I'm really enjoying it. I'm on the water here in Nashville, and, and we have an absolute blast. What uh, lake? Old Hickory. Are you serious? Yeah. So Laney and I, my family, we live on Lake Norman in Charlotte. And Love it. We almost, I say almost, she might, she's sitting right over here. We're at our beach place in South Jersey right now. She's over here right beside me. She might roll her eyes, but we had a situation where that house we live in now, we moved into three years ago and we may or may not have gotten in and all our stuff was already on trucks. So I looked at her and I said, if we don't get into this house, we're moving to Nashville. We're going to live on old Hickory Lake. How about that? Oh, wow. That's cool, almost man. Neighbor- I, that's a gorgeous area. I love it there. It is. It is. It's far enough outside of town, too, where I feel like I, you know, I kind of get a little bit of escape. Sure. Um, you know, after the work day and all that stuff. So it's good. All right. So my podcast producer, Sam's on. He's he's recording so we can go ahead and fire away. Uh, again, man, I, I appreciate your time so much. I, I know it's precious. And I want to start with a moment where you had a little too much time, I assume, the pandemic. You know, you release album four, just, you know, Tullahoma right before the pandemic. Yeah. So here you are, you got this brand new record out. You can't tour to support it as COVID shuts down the whole globe. How would you describe that experience for for you and your folks? You know, it, uh, I think I handled overall, I think I handled it pretty well. It was just a lot of uncertainty because as a, as a, you know, Furthermore, than a songwriter and an artist, um, I'm, I'm a CEO of, of a business that has about 23 families that depend on it right now. So 
it was, it was just tough kind of navigating those waters uh, and something that I never dreamed I would have to do, which is let go, you know, of, of people and, and just try to figure out how to keep everybody as whole as we could until we got back to, to work and which we're doing right now, you know, so it's trying to figure out how to bridge those gaps. And a lot of, a lot of um, new challenges came with that, you know, just figuring out how to be a leader and, and keep everybody on the same page whenever I didn't know what the heck was going on at the same time, you know, but try and keep everybody's spirits high and, and channel the lack of being able to go out and do what we love into something else, you know? And so in, in helping those guys and girls through all those transitions, man, we kind of, we were very, uh, it, it just blew me away at what work everybody picked up, you know, because some of us, some of us uh, on, on the team just decided let's hang out for the year. Others picked up uh, different jobs, you know, we're, we're hired on by, I mean, anything from Amazon construction crews starting to teach music lessons. So um, yeah, it was, it was great. It, you know, it was, it was a great year of, of learning and, and, and also about myself, I think um, I'm going to be okay. You know, if this is all taken away from me one day, you know, being able to see that I can, uh, enjoy life outside of being on the road constantly, which has been the case for the past 15 years. How did you find that joy? And where did you find that joy? Um, you know, it, it was a bit of a forced hand into, into diving into exactly where all the finances were moving because as we, as we tour, everything's moving fast and, and I'm not in this for the money and none of us are. Um, we're in it for the music, you know, and, and, the, and the love of, of seeing that, reaction on people's faces and that connection in our shows. So um, I was really forced to dive into that where money was going and moving. And it allowed me to, to kind of find a new passion of mine. And, and um, Nashville's a great real estate market right now. So I actually got into a little bit heavier into real estate uh, last year because of, of the break and just having a little extra energy to, to put into that. That's cool. Selling it, buying it. What were you buying doing? Buying it, selling it, flipping it, all the good stuff. Yeah, man, that's cool. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. Uh, it, it's you're so right. I mean, we all get into this. Like my my normal job is I work at ESPN, right? That's what I do. I cover all everything for for ESPN. And when you're in this moment where it's unprecedented, where these gathering points that offer such beautiful energy, whether it's full stadiums, whether it's full shows for you guys, for example, that's something that we be like we're just used to it. And then all of a sudden it's gone. So I wonder what you learned about the privilege and the luxury and the opportunity to play by having that passion stripped from you. Well, I, I think what I learned is, is how much my world revolves around the excitement and joy and, and anticipation of I, I call it a drug. It's an adrenaline rush of some sort that we get when we hit the stage. I think it's, it's the same rush that I felt whenever I got to run out of the tunnel at the swamp with my dad, you know, to do, to do the coin toss uh, years ago. I don't know. There's just, there's some sort of, you can't, you can't really describe the high it is, but I think, you know, years and years of, of getting that high every weekend, pretty much every single weekend. Mm -hmm. um, and now coming back to running out of the tunnel, if you will, on the stage, uh, after not doing it for a year, it's tough right now. The first few songs in my show right now are, are really challenging. A little for me. dicey. I'm so jacked up and jittery. My voice is shaking, and it's it's not a nervous thing. Like I'm nervous to be up here. It's just you're jacked up. You know, it's game day and it's on. And um, I guess my uh, 
whatever receptors <laughs> that that collect all that aren't used to firing that hard like they they used to be. Um, but it is, it's a lifeblood. I think I, I do say, you know, there's a reason all of us guys are on stage. Um, I think we're put on this earth to be on stage and entertain uh, people, you know, and, and that's that's why we've we've had this desire to keep grinding for years and years of, of uncertainty. You know, um, the music industry is is a tough go. There's a lot of talent in Nashville and, and all over the place. And uh, but it's just the passion that they get you through it and, and makes you want to continue to get better every single day. And, and that journey is what I love about it. You know, I, I think we're not guaranteed another hit song. We're not guaranteed another invitation to come play a concert somewhere. So it's the constant grind to try and stay relevant and, and try and make sure that we're putting out product music um, that people want to come see us play. We'll get into all the success you've had in a minute, but let's go back to the jump. What's the challenge of even getting noticed in that town? Well, um, I think all of us, we come from, I don't say all of us, most people in Nashville that are chasing the music dream don't grow up in Nashville around the community. Um, I've got some friends that, that have, and that's, uh, that's awesome. But most, most people are moving in from a smaller town. Uh, usually their, their friends and family think they're, you know, the best ever. Of course so they're they coming do. In. Yeah. I mean, I, I came to Nashville like, man, I've got a little album. All the girls in high school love it. Uh, I'm going to move to Nashville and, and somebody's going to carry it. And you get to Nashville, man, there's 5,000 other people that moved to town the same year you did that are as good as you are, you know? And uh, it, it's, it's a fun ride. I, I, I'm now to a point in my career where I'm having fun helping younger artists out. Like right now I'm, I'm in contact with the guy um, out West that, He's still in school, but he's he's really excited to try and move to Nashville and chase the dream. And so being in a position now to kind of help an out of town navigate, uh, you know, moving to Nashville and chasing that dream is is a lot of fun. But it's it's a pretty easy formula. You you you've got to be in Nashville if you want to do country music. In my opinion, you've got to move here first and just embrace the creative community, and you'll you'll end up finding a class of writers, a class of artists, uh, just like you would in the, in the hallway of a high school. You know, and it's kind of your click and your crew and um, you start kind of navigating and finding success all at the same time. For myself, it was my it was John Party, Thomas Rep, Kip Moore. Um, Cole I Smith. love all those guys. That's awesome. Well, yeah, it's, it's fun that, you know, you kind of find your click and, and everybody kind of starts getting noticed at the same time. I don't know what that is, but that, that's still just how this town works. So um, it, it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's, it's a beautiful town. I, I think a. Uh, I wouldn't change a thing about my past. I, I moved to, to Nashville not knowing anything about the music industry, except I wanted to play on the Grand Ole Opry and go play at the Bluebird Cafe again. And uh, that's all I knew about it. So I had to just kind of jump in head first and figure it out. All right. So we're going to go down that path. I know you went to Lipscomb, right? Yeah. Why? I went to Lipscomb. Um, Dude, I, I you, think it was, it, you it were going to be Dr. Lynch? You studied well, biology, right? Not, not initially. Yeah, I, I did. Um, I, I got to Lipscomb because of a golf scholarship. I was actually, really, yeah, I was committed to go to uh, Middle Tennessee State, and my sister was was on the golf team there, but I didn't get an offer from them. And last minute, uh, I got a call from the head coach at Lipscomb and offered me a, a a decent enough scholarship to where I could afford to to go to Lipscomb, and then I grew that into a full ride. Uh, year two because I came in and played really well my freshman year so I ended up getting getting a full ride um, 
Heck, that was back in the day whenever we could get more than a full ride and you had a little cash on the side. You know, <laughs> to go spend on housing or clothes or whatever it was. You know, if you channel it the right way, you could do that. So that was fun. And, and that, that honestly, that, that opportunity allowed me to be in Nashville and learn. Um, I don't think I would have I would have picked it up as quick as I did if I would have gone to MTSU because that's 45 minutes down the road from Nashville and you know just not being around Broadway and able to go to these different songwriter open mics and things that I was able to do in college um, on top of uh, that's a whole nother deal you know starting a cover band and, and playing all over the southeast was was literally because I was able to, to live in Nashville and go to college there. Uh, as much as I studied for this interview i didn't know anything about the golf part of your life yeah did you start yeah, playing golf? I, I, how, how'd that unfold well my dad was dad played for the florida gators he played football and then uh he did wait yeah, he a minute damn minute wait he, played with, uh, he actually played with collinsworth he and collinsworth live right now are you serious yeah so he was a gator um he picked up wanting i don't i, I, I just realized i don't know why in the world he chose to come up here um, and try to do an assistant pro job. But my granddad was, was in Nashville preaching. Um, he had a full-time preaching gig and counseling gig here. And so dad, after college, decided he wanted to get, get closer to family and uh, came up here and got an assistant pro job at, at Bluegrass Country Club right up the street um, in Hendersonville, Tennessee from Nashville. And uh, then he got a head pro job down in my hometown of, of Tullahoma. So he was the country club teaching pro. And I was, it, it was kind of a deal we had. He's like, dude, you can either get a job or you can play golf and try to get a scholarship and help me out around, the, you know, the, the pro shop. So how good did you get? What's that? I mean, obviously you got good enough to get a full ride to Lipscomb, but what, what, what was your handicap? Yeah, yeah, I did. No, I had, a, I had a really strong senior year. I think that's probably why my, my offer came in late. Uh, I, I, I went into the regionals and won by seven shots. And then I had a blow up in the state and didn't play that well. But, um, I was, I was, I was scratch. I mean, I was probably one time a plus, I would say plus one, plus two. We Holy was down. the tour ever on your, did you ever think about going on a tour? I did. Yeah, I did. And I actually got to play with um, a couple of guys that are having success out there. They were always, I never had coming down the stretch. I never could figure out what they figured out. And I don't know if that was how to manage uh, the adrenaline or I don't, I don't know what it was. it was. There was a mental, a mental block I had coming down the stretch to where those guys seemed to excel and make the putts and I couldn't make the putts. And, uh, but I had music, you know, even in high school, music was, was something that was more fun to me because every time you teed it up on stage, you know, you win. Yeah, we're golf, <laughs> not, not always the case. Uh, Very rarely, in fact. Yeah, what I love about golf, it's all on you. You know, you can't blame anybody else but yourself. But, uh, yeah, you don't always win out there. And, and on, on stage, it was always a win. So that that's probably why I kind of just what it felt like chasing that a little bit more. And, and I, to be, I mean, completely honest, being in college and playing music at a bar and getting paid to play music at a bar, a frat house, or a sorority is <laughs> just awesome. I mean, that was an awesome way to make rent. And so it, it just became something I, that I, I grew up, you know, I already had a passion for it, but I was like, this is the best job on earth. I get to go party with college girls and get paid for it. It is the best job on earth. I'm <laughs> jealous. If I had it to do, I, I'm a very blessed man, Dustin. I don't want much back, but if I had it to do over again, I would have at least tried songwriting. And I'll tell you why, because 
I'm a writer by trade. That's where I started. Of course, it's sports writing. It's a, a different type of writing, but nonetheless, if anything worth its salt is vulnerable, and that's most certainly the case in songwriting. Any, I think there's only a handful of professions that can save lives. Doctors, right? Paramedics, songwriters. Yeah. I think songwriters can save lives. I'm living proof. It's happened to me. Yeah. And I would love to, I would love for a piece of work that I did to have that impact on somebody. And you've experienced that. What's it yeah. like when somebody walks up to you in the grocery store or the meet and greet line or out at the golf course and goes, Hey man, I need to talk to you for a minute. Cowboys and angels, man, that's my wife and me. Yeah. What's that like? Well, it's something I didn't expect to be honest with you. I knew, I knew music affected me that way. I didn't realize that I would ever be able to hold a pen and, and write a song, create something that, that, you know, like you said, saves people's lives or brings people together or gets them through uh, some sort of crazy deployment. Uh, the Cowboys and Angels being my first single, really, you know, it, it was a song that touched a lot of people. Um, I wrote I wrote that song from an honest point. It's, it's inspired by my grandparents' love story. Um, their high school sweet, sweethearts and still married and still get to come to shows. And it's an awesome thing. But um, it, it, it caught me off guard, to be honest with you. Uh, at, you know, to have someone come lay that on you I mean, it's heavy uh, and be my first lap around the country playing my music and to have these stories start coming at me and mean Greek lines or on social media or whatever. Um, it's just, it, it's so inspiring. I think as a young artist, I had initial success and then, and then we, we had a couple of, uh, of releases to where it didn't live up to what Cowboys and Angels was because that song was such a career defining changing. Monster. monster yeah for me um but i think hearing those stories <clears throat> and seeing how music could potentially inspire so many people uh allowed me to get through those tough times you know that second and third follow-up and and kind of find who i was and, and who i wanted to be um and now i make music to specifically try and create a good time you know for people i think live live venues you know sports and, and music um they're so important to life, you know, and, and, and people and getting people through everyday life. It gives people something to save up for and look forward to. And uh, so now we make music, um, myself and my creative team, we, we specifically make music to make sure that, you know, when people come to our shows, they, they're going to be smiling, dancing and happy to be there, you know, and want to come do it again and just share that joy. So, yeah, I mean, you really do. I mean, that's, that's kind of where I create from is how's this going to affect someone's feelings and, and make them feel whenever they come. Mm -hmm see us at a live show or they're riding in the truck or wherever. Who were some um, of the people that, who were some you know, of the people that did that for you? As a, oh like, who, gosh, who, who were your heroes? I, I easily, you know, the guy that reminds me most of childhood is Alan Jackson. Uh, you know, Garth Brooks was, was a mega hero to me and George Strait. Those three guys I would say were probably the staples. Uh, but, but all that nineties country, man, was, me too. was so, uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's just, it's the soundtrack to my life and, you know, being blessed to be doing this now for a decade. It, it's crazy. I met, I met a guy out the other night um, and, and actually a girl both came up to me. I was out with some friends and both came to me. He was like, man, you know, these, this song in, in middle school or high school, I'm like, golly, am I, am I that old? But I've got people in, you know, that are out on the town right now and, and going, man, this song in middle school. Um, but yeah, just to, to be a, a soundtrack of somebody's memories, you know, of getting them through a great time or, or a tough time is, 
Um, it's just awesome, man. It's the greatest world there is in, in what we do. 90s country is the greatest era. I'm with you on that. I'm older than you, yeah. but it's the soundtrack of my life, too. It was my high school years and into college. And I've had the great blessing of interviewing Travis Tritt, interviewing, you know, guys from that era and, and Kicks Brooks and like getting able to being able to sit with them and learn about what they did and how they did it and what that era was like in the class of 89, AJ, Gar, you know, uh, Travis, oh, yeah. Clint, and all those guys. It's just like they're like gods. I mean, they're gods to me, but that's yeah. cool that you love it too. Uh, how you know, I got to do, um, I accidentally ended up in Nebraska at a Tracy Lawrence and Clay Walker show. We were out there on a hunting trip and we had a, we had a night off. We finished up and, and we're waiting to get back to Nashville. And I just Googled what to do in Omaha tonight. And freaking Tracy Lawrence and, and Clay Walker were in town. No so way. I immediately, I'm on the phone trying to figure out who's their tour manager. How can we get in? We were at dinner and just said, cancel dinner. We're going to the show. And uh, ended up getting a hold of, they luckily hadn't hit the stage yet. Clay and Tracy both text me back. And uh, man, just got to go. That was my first concert back since we got pulled off the road. So this just happened. This just happened. This happened in uh, like third week of May. Awesome. My first, my first concert experience back, and I get to hang out with freaking Tracy Lawrence and Clay Walker, both you know, both heroes of mine, and and they're just so kind, and and the fact that you know I can jump up on their bus and they know my music, and we get to talk about how'd you get this sound on the snare in the studio, and just all that stuff, man, is is just so that was such a special night, and and the coolest welcome back to concerts for me, you know, I got to join as a fan, you know, I didn't think that would be the case, I thought I, you know my first show back with me being taken the stage, but I got to go and, and hang out, you know, in front of the stage with those guys and, and watch the greats do it. I mean, we forget how many hits those guys have to you see them live and you go, I mean, they didn't get to play half of their stuff. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, back in the day, the, the, the chart at radio was moving so fast. I mean, they were able to put out three singles a year uh, like it was nothing, you know, right now we're at about one uh, if you're lucky two a year as, as artists. So then it's a it's a fun show and, and that was that was a great welcome back to you know the live music scene with two heroes of mine it's almost surreal because especially for a guy like you when they know your work i mean i just interviewed clay on this exact podcast i don't know a couple of weeks back and i interview i'm going to interview tracy lawrence in nashville july 13th All right. i can't wait oh yeah i mean like god they're like le absolute legends it's so fun they um, are they are it's it's great the I don't know. I think when you move to this town, just trying to get close enough to ask them a question is the goal, you know, and, and fast forward a handful of years and some hits and we're on the bus talking about snare sounds in the studio and how we got them, you know, and, and uh, it's just, it's cool how, you know, certain things line up and, and those walls kind of just break down at the end of the day, everybody's just a, just a guy like we are, man, trying to make great music and, and have fun doing it. So you were talking about the Opry earlier, and the, the moment that you you got the invite, that video is just spectacular. Yeah. And it, it, it really is that you, you to me, you seem speechless. Oh, yeah. And and you don't know what the hell to say. You got Reba McIntyre of I mean, holy smokes, <laughs> inducting you into the Opry. What was that moment like for you as she's standing there and she's sharing her own experience, being a little seven-year-old Reba, watching the Opry herself, and now you're joining this family with Porter and, 
and all, I mean, all the way up the lineage of this, yeah. the ultimate, ultimate country music accomplishment. Yeah, it, it was shocking to me because I didn't know Reba was going to be there. I told my team, you know, I've, I've been to the Opry long enough to know that someone's going to come out and do the induction. I told my team, I want to be surprised. I don't, you know, I don't care who it is, but I would rather just be surprised and freaking Reba McIntyre walks out. <laughs> so yeah, I was speechless um, and, and, and very emotional. You know, I had to collect myself. It, it meant so much to me that, I mean, that person, whoever that person was going to be, took time out of their lives to come be there for me on my special night with my friends and family in the house. And uh, man, it, it just, it was the coolest night and still is, I think, of all time in my life, just having everybody there, you know, be a part of it. It was funny too, because I came off stage all jacked up. My family's over there on the side stage. No one gave a crap about me, man. <laughs> I want to meet Reba. Yeah, they're like, we'll talk to you about an hour or two. <laughs> um, it, it was, it's, I, I can't thank her enough. That was so, so special. And yeah, like you said, for, for her to share her story and get emotional yep. about it and tear up. I mean, I was, I was, you know, the floodgates open whenever she started crying, I was done for. But it just shows you how much it means. I mean, it's Reba McIntyre, and that's how much it means to her. You know, she's conquered literally everything I think you can in the entertainment industry. And that still is, is you know, a, a pinnacle in, in her career. Um, and it, like you said, to join that family is, is just so special. And, and I, I just want to continue to make the Opry proud and, and continue to, to be a part of what's growing. Um, you know, last year, 2020 was, was a huge year for the Grand Ole Opry because it was a way for people to still consume live music. And one of the only ways uh, to do that and, and, and it was great timing for, for what happened with their network and um, the reach we had as, a, as an Opry family to, to the whole world last year was, was huge and special. And uh, um, man, it, it is, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel real still, you know, to sit on stage, my first Opry back after, uh, you know, they pulled us off the road was with Trace Atkins and Blake Shelton. It's just us three sitting on stage. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know? But uh, it is, it is, uh, it's, it's definitely uh, the, the proudest accomplishment in my career so far. I can, I can definitely say that. All right. So proudest accomplishment in your career. Let's discuss that arc because what, what, what would young Dustin who moved to town have called success and how has that definition evolved over time? Yeah. I, oh, it's evolved greatly. I think, um, uh, initial success would be to, to land. I mean, I think back to doing everything I possibly can to figure out how to land a gig on lower Broadway in a honky tonk mm -hmm. on a Tuesday at 2 PM, you know, and that, that happening, Holy cow, mom and dad, you know, you won't believe it. I'm getting to play on Broadway. And now to, uh, you know, like we just spoke to, to be a, a member of the Grand Ole Opry. I think there's goals. I think, you know, I, I still have a, a set of goals that I would love to achieve and, and my team is, is aware of and, you know, we continue to, to try and make the right steps and put out the right songs to get there. But um, success has changed in, in my mind. I think I learned a lot out on my first tour with Keith Urban. Um, and like it, was, it, was, it was watching a guy who, who still is. I mean, he's a rock star in, in every sense of the word. And it was, it was just watching him be so regimented in his art and the way he, he operates on, on the road to be in tip top shape on stage, put on the best show he can every night. So success for me, I think has evolved from having a hit song 
you know, getting a tour to now, okay, now it's a personal, it's a person, it's personal battles each day for, for me and getting better and making sure that I'm trying to do the right things every single day to put on the best shows I can put on, you know, and, and um, it's easy to sit back and go, yeah, we're going to go on tour and, and show up and, and play a show, but you know, to really challenge yourself to take that show to the next level every night, to be in the best physical shape you can, you know, voice wise. Um, and, and there's a lot of challenges that go with that. You have to say no to a lot of things in life to be in the absolute best shape, you know, to, to put on the best shows you can. I think I learned a lot about that and, and, and those battles um, from touring with Keith, you know, and just, and being around a, a, one of the best entertainers we have in country music and seeing how that's accomplished every night. So let's talk about the, the current projects and everything you have going on right now. Thinking about you is doing great. Congratulations on that. Thank you. So I'm, yeah, intrigued, that's all by, I'm intrigued by the life of the single, Dustin, right? So you, you cut it with Lauren first, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've learned a lot with this song. I really have. Yeah. What, explain that. What have you learned? Well, you know, to do a, a collab, um, a legit collab, and try to choreograph the release of that um, has been a, 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 an eye-opening experience for me because I didn't realize how many stars had to line up. You know, I'd seen friends release duets and, uh, and it felt like, oh, they just wanted to do a song and they put it out. Well, Lauren and I went into this um, knowing it would be a challenge because of how her release schedule was lining up with mine. Sure. But I said, look, we had been on tour for a year together. She had come out and sang with me every night. Our voices were, for whatever reason, they just worked together great. And so I was like, Lauren, look, I'll be patient. Just know I want to put this song out to country radio. I think it's going to be big. So she goes, I'm in. Just, you know, work with me. We'll, we'll get through it. We'll figure out how to do it. So the album comes out and it skyrockets. You know, it's something that you can't plan. And we go, oh, crap. You know, this thing is reacting. <laughs> We hit, we, yeah, we hit the road last year. I think before, before uh, the pandemic hit, we had 10 shows or something. And when I was playing at my shows, this is only a couple of weeks after the album's out and it's bringing the house down. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to figure out how to put the song out. And um, we just could not get our release schedules to line up, get our teams on the same page. So I asked her after waiting, you know, it was about a year um, and, and realizing it's probably not going to happen. I asked her if, if I could go in and, and re-record the song with someone else that could release it, you know, um, whenever it was good for my release schedule. And she said, absolutely. Um, and she was actually very helpful in trying to find, you know, what vocal she thought would, would work on it. And we kind of, we really didn't come up with a good answer. So I submitted to Nashville, um, to, to all the, all of the teams that we know well, Hey, do you have any young acts that would like to submit a version of think about you? And, um, can release it, you know, during this window. And we got six or seven submissions in and I had all the names removed before I, I, I got to look at them and listen. So I, they're literally just numbers. I didn't want to be persuaded based on if I knew the artist or not. And uh, my initial reaction was to the version that everybody knows now uh, with Mackenzie Porter. And I lived with him for a couple of weeks and, and played him for friends and family and everybody kind of gravitated towards two versions. Um, majority landslide though was Mackenzie's version. So thank goodness. It was an easy, easy decision on that end. So then I got to discover who Mackenzie is. I had really no idea who she was. Um, I'd heard the name, but I didn't realize that she's a super successful actress. Um, I had no idea she had the success she had in Canada as an artist. 
And then on top of that, she's one of the hardest working songwriters um, in town. She works her tail off. So um, we're having a blast, you know, just getting to do music is, and put a song out. It's, it's a fun ride. It's a scary ride. But now to have someone, a younger artist that, you know, hasn't had a big release like this yet and, and watch her excitement as these milestones are happening for us. This song is our fastest rise, my fastest rise single of my career. Um, and she's texting me like, hey, is this normal? And I'm going, not for me. <laughs> you know, like, to get all these crazy stats that we're having on this song, people seeking this song out is just mind blowing. And it's so exciting now that everything's opening back up and we're getting hit this, the road with and, and, and the anticipation of playing this song and the reaction to this song every night. It's something I really look forward to. So you talk about being a decade in, right? There's been a tremendous evolution of how music is consumed during that decade. Yes. How does that change the philosophical approach kind of to the way you do your business now that your Spotify's and your Apple Music's and all that stuff? Yeah, it's a great is, question. It's a great question and a discussion I honestly have on a weekly basis with my team. I think uh, we're, we're all learning, you know, and, and even amongst us fellow artists, you know, I was, we're talking with Thomas Rhett the other night about, you know, just, just strategy on how people consume music and, and looking at how I consume music. Um, and I think you can kind of see our, our release schedules evolving, you know, through the years, because we're trying to figure out, okay, is what's too much, what's not enough. Um, you know, you don't want to put out too many new songs and confuse everybody uh, on, on what, they're going to hear at your shows, but at the same time, you want to put out enough to where they're not bored with it and, you know, forget about you either. So what we've found right now is a balance of just having, you know, multiple, I don't know, I'll call it ships at sea, all kind of sailing in the same direction. And um, it's exciting for us as songwriters because it's not, you know, when I started, when I started creating, it was an album every two years. So like right now, I just finished last week recording what I think will be for the album. Um, so 10 years ago, I would be done worrying about songs, not worrying about them, but for at least a year and a half, probably. And now with the way things are, are being done, I can go in and write a song next week, record it and put it out. Um, so it's exciting as a songwriter to go in and know that you're in the game year round now. Um, where that wasn't the case, I think 10 years ago, you kind of had your phases of, all right, now let's go tour for a year and we'll think about music in a year or so. But um, yeah, we're, we're, we're at a, a spot where we can be very versatile. I think put different songs out on different platforms if they make sense. You know, we have a song out right now called Tequila on a Boat that just made sense to put out for the summer months. And, yeah. um, you know, just driving around on the lake here in Nashville and, and hearing boats drive by playing that song is the coolest thing ever. And it's because of the song <laughs> put out you know, more than just a single country radio. couple more. I've kept you too long already, brother. I appreciate the I'm time. I'm having a blast. I'm having a blast. Uh, another aspect of all that's new is social media and TikTok and Instagram and, and all that. And w where does that kind of fit in your equation? Well, I, I'll tell you, um, I constantly, I'm, I'm kind of in the class of artist where we had, uh, I guess when I first started, Twitter was about all we had, Twitter and Facebook. And we have watched this whole new world, you know, outside of music develop that now we have to be present on and a part of, I think to, you know, it's just like your song coming on the radio. It reminds country music fans that you exist, you know, and maybe, maybe they'll recognize you when you come to town and want to come hang with you. So I, I kind of fell in love with showing a deeper side of, of my life through vlogs that we would do kind of chop up on uh, our different outlets and, and, and just spread them out. But 
what I, what I realized, you know, I kind of selfishly did it, just taking people on for the ride and wanting to document this journey to look back on in decades from now. You know, we've got a lot of great footage on how, um, you know, different albums, songs were created, um, you know, and, and then further than that, learning how to surf and, and learning how to farm again and um, just all the crazy journeys we get to go on outside of being on stage and taking our fans along for that ride. And I realized that connection um, started happening pretty quickly after we started putting, putting those, you know, vlogs out of fans coming up and really re relating to me more of as a person than just a dude singing songs, you know, that, and, and I could tell that just based on our meet and greets before and after shows where, you know, they'd have a story about, you know, gosh, anything um, from hunting, fishing, eating burgers, whatever it may be, you know, that we were, we were jazzing at the time. And, um, and just that, that connection with, with our, our core fans is, is a great thing, I think. And, and also being able to take a temperature of what moments of our shows people react to, you know, there's, there's a reason someone gets their phone out and records a moment and puts that out for their, their following and their friends to see. And I think, um, you know, as, as artists, it's, it's a great tool to be able to go, okay, why did they take a video of this part of the show um, consistently and not that part of the show and, and what's triggering that? And um, as many times as I can get somebody's phone out of their pocket and them try to make their friends jealous that aren't there, that's a great thing. <laughs> but I use it, I use it like that, you know, um, I, I use it as a tool and, and then, it, it, the connection of, of having, you know, we get requests every single day. This it's such a, a fun thing for me to do birthday shout outs and wedding shout outs. And, sure. and um, to be able to be a part of, of someone's first dance. Now I can just literally put my phone up in the living room and play their song and, and shoot it to them over social media. Now, you know, they get to have their dance to me singing and, and, and uh, in their wedding is, it's just so cool. So, I mean, there's so many great benefits to social media and that direct connection we have with our fans. All right, I want to go back real quick to your dad playing in Florida. Yeah. So you grow up in Central Tennessee. Are you a Florida fan? Oh, a closet. I'm a closet Florida fan growing up. I would now, say you I mean, must be. Well, the rivalry, you know, back those years, the, the rivalry. It was rowdy. Was. Yeah, I, mean, I would have got my butt kicked at school if I would have won the <laughs> Now, you know, ever since Palmer's uh, eased out of there, the you know, it's not really – they're not that passionate anymore. You see a lot more Florida gear in Tennessee, but um, yeah, back then there was, there was uh, my close friends knew I was a Gator, but outside of that, I wasn't rocking any Gator gear. Uh, but, but now I'm, I'm okay with, with wearing some, but yeah, dad was, uh, he was a walk on. He was, he played defensive back. Um, and he, I, I love, I love, you know, the camaraderie he has with his fellow players still, uh, you know, and, and, they still trash talk and they're still really passionate about Florida Gator football and, and just having, you know, um, game day commentary from Collinsworth and, and all of his buddies <laughs> on a thread of, you know, it's usually, it's usually complaining about something. Some of course sort of, it is, yeah. man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many, how much they win. They're mad about some defensive coach or something, but uh, it's a lot of great insight. You know, and, and um, I, I just love that that passion is still there for those guys 30 years later for the Florida Gators. I imagine that guy throwing that shoe last fall against LSU probably didn't go over. No, that, no, no, no. So great. <laughs> some, some choice words were had uh, <laughs> on that day. <laughs> well, look, brother, uh, I, I appreciate the insight and the time and sharing your life with us so much. Uh, we're huge fans. We appreciate what you do. 
hopefully get out to a show real soon. I would and, love to have you guys anytime. And, and um, I look forward to hanging out. Thank you for, for having me on. It means, means a lot that you would think of me to be a part of this. So thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Be well. Enjoy July 4th. All right. Y'all too. See you guys. I always am so grateful when these guys and gals give us their time because their time is so precious. And to learn about the perspectives that they gleaned by having their passions stripped from them during the COVID-19 pandemic, to reimmerse themselves in that energy, to be able to have that amazing energy exchange with their fans. It really infuses me with a lot of that energy, even though right now, because I'm doing it on Zoom and probably sitting about eight or 900 miles away from where Dustin was there in his living room there at Old Hickory Lake in Nashville, Tennessee, just outside of town. I do want you guys to know this. We have a bunch of unbelievable episodes coming. I am heading to Nashville in mid-July. We have a brand new state-of-the-art studio being completed right now at Outsider Media Headquarters in Brentwood. And I am going to interview songwriting icon, probably if you asked his peers, the best songwriter in town, Casey Bethard. I'm interviewing him. I'm interviewing Tracy Lawrence. I'm interviewing Chase Rice. And I'm interviewing Trace Adkins. And I can't wait to sit in a room with those guys and back to energy exchanges, actually feel the energy exchange with them. Be able, I, I look Dustin Lynch in the eye while we're doing this on Zoom, but it's different when you're in the same room with them. And I'm so looking forward to spending time one-on-one -on -one with these people that I admire so greatly, as I just said to Dustin right there. I think songwriting is one of those professions and one of those talents and one of those gifts that can save a life. I know because it happened to me. Anybody that knows about my friendship with Eric Church knows that his work did that for me. And so to be able to sit with Casey and learn about how he hones his craft and the unbelievable path that he's had, anybody that knows anything about him knows his father is Bobby Bethard the architect of the Washington football team's 1980s Super Bowl dynasty behind Joe Theismann and Joe Gibbs. He grew up in the game. I can't wait to talk to him about that. I can't wait to talk, to talk about his triumphs and his tragedies. He's had many of both. I also can't wait to sit with Chase Rice, who is a great friend of mine, played football at the University of North Carolina, was on Survivor, has had an unbelievable life path to this current success he's achieving and enjoying in Nashville. And Tracy Lawrence and Trace Adkins are icons in the industry, both of whom have shaped my life through their work. So it's going to be fun. I can't wait to sit in the same room with those guys. Thank you guys so much for supporting this project. We are just getting started at Outsider. July 1st is going to be a very special day for us. I can't wait for you guys to see why. Thank you for listening. This is the Marty Smith Podcast on Outsider Media. We, we appreciate you. Subscribe, rate, and review as much as you can. Tell all your friends about it because we're growing something special here. Be well. Enjoy July 4th. We live in the greatest land in the world. We are free. I can't wait. To, I can't wait to spend more time with you guys on this platform. Thank you. This is the Marty Smith Podcast on Outsider Media. Be well, everyone. Yeah.